Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Thursday, January 11th. Good morning, Wendy. Hello. You sound like yourself again. I'm getting there. Yes. I'm getting there. Good. Connor McCarthy is here as well. Morning, Connor. Good morning. And the Royal Blanks, Missouri text line is open at 84126. Well, we do have some weather coming in, so at 1020, just a few minutes here, we'll chat with Kevin Deitch. I hope I'm saying his name right. We've chatted with him before from the National Weather Service. And later in the program, uh, Ann Flaherty will join us from ABC News. Okay, I want to hear about True Detective, and then I want to ask you if you've seen May, December. Oh, my gosh. Did you? Yes. You did. Thoughts? Weird. Weird. It has it has redeeming qualities. And as if I recall correctly, Lynn Venhouse had mixed feelings about she it. She did. She Max actually... loved it. Okay. If I, I could be wrong. But um, isn't it one of those sort of like a movie within a movie? Yeah. Or, right? Loosely They're... based, but not really on the Mary Kay Letourneau story. I mean, you think about it when you see that. But they're making a movie, right, right? About a... So an actress played by Natalie Portman is going to portray the Mary Kay figure. And she goes and visits Mary Kay and her husband of 24 years, who's now like 37. Right. And their grown kids. Villi, whatever. Boy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the acting is great, but I can't help it. <laughs> the overdramatic music was jarring to me. Like, I get it. You want us to feel a certain way. Get rid of this music that was throughout. And it's just a pet peeve I have when the music jumps out at you and it's stupid, overdramatic piano music. I was like, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> like, it, it's it's almost like they should, they should be flashing big signs yeah, saying... Yeah, feel this way right yeah, now. Duh. Right. right. Um, I mean, Natalie Portman is unbelievable, though. And there's one scene where she's just by herself, and it's a long scene. And I felt, wow, I wonder, I wonder if she got through that. And they said, okay, give us take two. Because it's so incredible, and I can't imagine sitting in front of a green screen or a room with a camera on you and they tell you to do this you know it's it's a monologue with a million different feelings and crying and how did they do it they're great actors but yeah i i mean it wasn't a waste of time because we kept talking about it and there were redeeming factors but after seeing good grief on netflix the night before, which we really enjoyed, it was like uh, Mark said, "I get to choose the next one." <laughs> yeah, oh, I listen. I hear, I hear. That's the uh, to me. That's the sign of a healthy relationship. I hear that all the time. <laughs> that I Chris. get to choose the next. Oh, he'll one. say it all the time. Um, I feel for her. I feel for Natalie Portman, and I felt for her the other night at the Golden Globes because um, I feel for. I felt for um, Jason Sudeikis when. The world knew what he was going through when his, when Olivia Wilde left him for Harry. Yeah, what Potter, is Natalie? I don't, Natalie's husband Benjamin Millet, something or other French, um, is I think he's one of the principal dancers with, or he's an artistic director at a ballet, and um, that they met on they met during Black Swan, which I've the, never seen. That's the, uh, I mean, that's a good movie, but I've told you before that psychologically, to see someone coming apart psychologically is not my idea of entertainment. I don't want to see somebody's desperation. Like the bear, the Christmas episode. Oh, my Lord, <laughs> Atlanta. Yeah, that, that, that is not entertainment. That was 
worth the cost of admission, though, because there were so many people involved. But um, he he was it was a full blown uh, cheating scandal. Um, oh, he had in a, real life. Yes. For, oh, and so she's had a you know just a devastating year. Oh, so are they still together? I think so. I don't. I didn't see him the other night at the uh, the Golden Globes. But boy, once you get into the awards season, now we're on to the SAG, and you know the um, a, a few others have been announced in terms of uh, nominees or nominations, and uh, but but that seems like that's going to be a a weekly thing mm-hmm. now um the true detective chris watched it he 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 watched the finale last night of season one yes this is the dial, day late in a dollar short movie review because this is uh 13 or 10 nine years ago 10 years ago now oh, yeah 10 that's right 10 years ago um, but he loved it he loved it he just wanted to watch the office afterwards because oh, it is the series is 10 years old this, yes, this, this season, season is ten years well, old. That's about right. One. I'm about ten years behind. I mean, it took movies. me. It took me twenty five years to discover Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of that. I still haven't watched Friends. When you have kids, I hear you. You are in a. I mean, not everybody certainly, but you. I was in a bubble. And um, I'm still I'm still playing catch up. So once when I had foot surgery in the 90s and I was at home in a wheelchair with my leg elevated for eight weeks, I watched. I thought, okay, I need to watch TV. So I did watch some friends. Then I watched a couple of Seinfelds and that was my experience. Well, Jerry signed little blurbs that I've seen on social media. Uh, McGraw asked if. Um, I was going to go to the Chiefs game on Saturday night at Arrowhead. I said no, oddly enough. Um, and he, he was talking about watching it from the comfort of his his easy chair. Would you go, 84126, one of many questions we'll be asking you today on the text line, when you know that it is going to be, and what is that magic age where you go from, heck yeah, that would be great. Let's go have fun. Let's just, you know, it's a playoff game. My son-in-law, trust me, if he could, he would be there. Even if he was a block of ice wearing a stocking cap, he would be there. But I think I, we've reached the age where if they said, you have, you have tickets on the 50-yard line for Saturday night's game. I don't. I genuinely don't know that Chris and I would go. It's funny that you say this because I was thinking about this the other day, aging out of things because I feel like I've aged out of some things that I used to enjoy. And most many of them are events right. like that that I no longer enjoy and would be much happier watching from home. Most any sporting event or Olympics, let's say, because I'm not a big sports fan. Right. But I think it's you see so much more on television but i know i was talking to one of mark's nephews when we were watching football over there and he's like oh heck no i'd much rather be at the game yeah it it just it stuns me um these temperatures because it's three degrees it's it'll be three degrees at (laughs) kickoff or maybe that's the uh the the tailgating and so by the time they're in the game um, it is going to be the, the forecast is showing uh, six degrees, six degrees with a wind chill of minus twelve. Oh, yeah. While they're playing the game outside, yeah. Yeah. well, yes, they'll be outside. So, Connor, 
do they, well, they can't exactly have those hot hands that we used to wear in our gloves and in our boots when we had to do live shots. Well, they might have them on the sideline. They have okay. they have heaters on the sidelines. They side got lines. heaters, these big giant massage therapists. That, yeah, right, yeah. massage therapists. Hot tubs. With right. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hot, cold, hot, cold. Hot, cold. But still, I think it... I mean, I know they are moving, so their body temperature's mm-hmm. up, but it seems like it'd be really difficult. Uh, yeah. It would be the coldest Chiefs game on record. If it Is that right? Yes. Okay, because I'm trying to remember. Chiefs home game, rather. We attended some pretty cold games uh, down at the TWA Dome when there was such a thing, watching the Rams. Um, but that was... It's just sort of part of the football thing. But now that we are north of a certain demographic group. (laughs) I know. I'm not sure. Um, Everybody's saying Jennifer and Wendy. Of course, Wendy has seen Sheets Creek. Sheets Creek, yes. I have not, but I I will give it another try, especially after loving uh, Good Grief on Netflix. Oh, yeah. You'll definitely get into Sheets Creek. I I will try and I won't give it up. Uh, Wendy did... Did your husband watch Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey season? That yes. was season one, right? That's the yeah. one that he watched. That's the one he watched. And I think I think we might just fast forward to Jodie Foster because... Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, well, uh, see, season three is good. Season three is good. But is season it? two, skip? Well, yeah, you, you can skip it. Okay. okay. But uh, Carrot Cake Liz says, I love going to concerts, but I'm at the point if I can't. Sit for the show, I won't go, except for Rick Springfield's show. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. From the 314, who sounds like Kermit the Frog? That's me. That's Wendy. Thank you. Um, and I think I sound a little bit better. I mean, I hope I sound a little bit better. Well, and road trips, believe it or not. Now now I'm afraid to drive on the highway, but I used to take road trips all the time in my 20s. Oh, oh. By myself. And enjoyed, you know, driving four hours to... Go see someone. Those were the days. <laughs> Those were the days. I don't know if they were. Not. We use electric hand warmers now along with electric heated sock, electric heated vests and socks. Yeah, those things, they, they do work. How does I, that work, though? How does it work for a football player? How does it work for a fan? I don't know when like Art electric. and I used to cover. It's like an electric blanket, but in jacket form. But my my friend the, has one. But what about the plug? Battery it's operated? Like battery oh, operated. battery operated. Same okay. with socks. Some oh, people okay. have socks like that. Interesting. But I think those foot warmers and hand warmers work great because we used to have to sit outside in the cold for four hours. Oh, yeah. And, you, you know, your hands and feet do start they to get, get cold. numb. Those things are great. The kids do it for uh, the soccer games, those um, those little packs that they used to have at uh, hardware stores. Mm-hmm. Who Who is Kansas playing? Kansas City? Miami Dolphins. So as, oh. as tough as it's going to be <laughs> in Kansas City, uh, the Miami fans that are traveling with, they're not used to <laughs> wind chills of 20 degrees below zero. Welcome to the Midwest. That's right. Hey, just a reminder, every Saturday at 3 here on the Big 550, you can listen to Keep What's Yours and every other Sunday at 7. It is a show about money with Jeff Zufall from Capital Advisory Group. Jeff and his staff can help you with your tax filing. They can help you save and invest money, and they can also guide you uh, 
to prepare for retirement if you think you'll be there in a few years. What they'd like to do regarding retirement is sit down with you and come up with a written financial plan. That's so you have a budget, you know what your first day of retirement will look like, and you can rest assured you won't outlive your money. Jeff was in the studio the other day talking about the importance of budgeting and said January is a good month to remind everyone. Just choose a month, he says, from your statements and look at how you spent money. If it includes vacation, fine. $4 coffee is fine, but if you really take a look at it, you will be better prepared for the new year. If you need help with your taxes, 636-394-5524 or retirement or investing, you can look them up online, capitaladvisorygrp.com, or listen in every Saturday at 3, every other Sunday at 7 a.m. to Jeff Zufall and Josh Gilbert from the Heidi Glaus Show to the radio program. Keep what's yours right here on The Big 550. It's 1024 at the Big 550 KTRS, a Jennifer and Wendy show. Um, it is going to be cold as ice. We were just talking about the Kansas City Chiefs playoff game against the Dolphins on Saturday. How cold will it be? Uh, we are visiting with our good friend at the National Weather Service, Kevin Deitch. Kevin, hi. Welcome. Thanks so much for being being here with us this morning. Of course. Good morning. Is it spring yet? No, no. Um, we always seem to want to look and blame Canada. What? What is? What is uh, Canada sharing with us this weekend? Yeah, yeah. They're bringing their their brutal and and to be completely honest, life threatening cold. Um, we're we're looking at you know in the St. Louis area. You mentioned Kansas City. Really across the state. Uh, just brutally cold wind chills. We're talking values 20, maybe 30 below zero at times uh, in parts of the state. Um, and so, you know, homeless people outside, we're really concerned with you leave your pets outside. Um, we're very concerned with the cold coming in uh, this weekend and early next week. I guess this is a good time to remind people to keep like a bag packed in their car in case their car would break down because how cold would it get in a car if your car broke down on the side of the highway? Yeah, great point. You know, we always preach to have a preparedness kit in your car, um, you know, blankets, some food if you need it, uh, some water. But obviously that could freeze pretty quickly if, if your car is broken down. But at least you have some liquid water, you know, right there when the car does break down. So, um, you know, it, it, it certainly could be an issue, um, especially if people in, you know, more rural areas and, and harder to get to. So uh, something to, to keep in mind. And with like, like I said, that's why we preach our preparedness here. If you have a question for Kevin, the Royal Banks of Missouri text line 84126, is this pretty, t I mean, this it seems like every year at this time, Kevin, um, we have this type of activity. Is this is this a little earlier in January than than usual or not? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you remember near Christmas of, of 2022, so Christmas last year, we, we got pretty much cold like this. The thing with that event, though, it only lasted about a day or so, and then we warmed back up. This looks like it's going to be a prolonged period of cold. Um, and, and the reason I say that is it looks like we may not get um, – basically from Saturday evening through Wednesday morning, we're probably not going to get above zero as far as the wind chill goes. Wow. Uh, we'll have wind chill values below zero for, for that period of time. So, so that's what's concerning is, you know, a lot of times, you know, folks can handle cold, you know, for a night or two. But to have this prolonged cold is, is what's concerning to us. And, we, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Jennifer. <laughs> Precipitation, it seems that many, many cities are looking at a significant amount of snow, but not us. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. The last couple of systems, you know, uh, a lot of people see on social media the the kind of oh my gosh, it's a lot of snow coming. Uh, but the last couple of systems have shifted north as we've gotten closer in time to them, and that's one thing that I always you know want to point out to people is you know you see things online and, and, and especially on social media. You know, if you're looking five six days out, things are certainly going to change. Um, and, and you know that's our job here at the Weather Service to really dial in these storms as, as we get closer in time. Um, and so this one trended north, and so we're, we're more on the warm side of the storm now. So actually tomorrow uh, we'll probably get into maybe the low 50s um, before the real cold comes in tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. Isn't it true that a storm could be 50 miles out and then change directions, which is why it's difficult to forecast and why everybody in your audience <laughs> will criticize weather people? Sure, yeah, and why we get gray hair earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the challenge is, you know, when we have these systems is the gradient from, you know, maybe a foot of snow to no snow at all can be 10 to 20 miles wide. And so, you know, you could be in St. Louis and not have any snow at all, and, you know, you're up in Bowling Green and there's snow. And so uh, we actually saw that, you know, earlier this week. And so if the storm shifts 10, 20 miles, that's the difference between St. Louis getting you know, six inches of snow and, and no snow at all. So that's always the challenge uh, that we have here at the Weather Service. But it's it's what keeps us excited and, and, you know, what we're passionate about is trying to get it right for everyone. The wind gusts look like they are going to really be something. Um, will that be pretty much across the nation, uh, Kevin, or, or will that depend on where you are, obviously? Yeah, it depends on where you are. Um, I will say – here in our area, it's pretty much going to be everywhere, the whole state of Missouri, the whole state of Illinois. Um, this is a, a massive storm that, that is, is what we call a deepening low-pressure system. So that means it's, just, it's, it's getting a lower pressure, and so we get more wind when that occurs. Uh, and so that's really going to bring wind to a good part of, of the country east of the Rockies uh, as the system pulls off, off to our east and over to the east coast. What about El Nino? Can you explain that? Yeah, so El Nino means that um, it, it's it's something that we look at. It's actually the sea surface temperature anomalies in the, in the Central Pacific. And so there's a you know when they're when they're warmer than normal, which is what we are at right now, and that's called an El Nino. And and the reason that's important is those sea surface temperatures actually have some effect on the atmospheric circulations. Uh, it's it's fairly complicated and sciencey, but what that means for us is that the storm track tends to be pretty active, and it tends to be these low-pressure systems kind of going off to our south, um, which in this case, uh, this particular event, it's actually the, the low-pressure system is going to go off to our north. But uh, El Nino usually provides pretty active weather across the southeast, and you may have heard of the tornadoes down there uh, with the first wave that came through earlier this week, uh, and they are expecting additional severe weather down in the southeast part of the, of the country with, with this next system as well. I have to tell you, after after reading uh, all of the the articles about how we had the warmest uh, year on on record ever recorded, Kevin, these these temperatures make me feel a little better anyway. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's always good to kind of remind people that even when we're in, you know, we look at long term trends, right? And so we're we're going to see snaps of cold, and and that's what we're seeing here. Um, you know, but just because it's cold in a week in January doesn't mean that the whole year is going to be colder, right? That's just one week in January. But when you when you take July, August, September, and those are all warmer than normal, well, you kind of wash out the one cold week that we had in January. Which do you think is more difficult for the public to deal with, just in your experience, heat or cold? Great question. That is a good question. Um, that's a really I, I would 
uh, I would probably say heat. Um, and the reason being is I don't think everyone has air conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people have heat in our area. Um, but that is a good question. And, and to be honest, that might be a better question for, you know, maybe a health expert that, that deals with, you know, the, the fallout from these cold snaps and, and these uh, extended heat waves. Um, but that's my thought, at least. Yeah, and it seems, Kevin, to me that at least, and I know there are people uh, you, you know, you can go to warming centers or cooling centers, but at least when it's cold out, you can bundle up and right. three dog night or whatever. But when it's hot, I, I mean, if you don't have air conditioning, yeah. it seems difficult to escape that. Exactly. And you make a great point there. So that's why I lean heat. But like I said, it'd be really interesting to kind of get a, a, health, a health professional's perspective yeah. on that. Yeah. Kevin Deitch, um, National Weather Service office, we thank you. What do you do to winterize? I mean, what's the first thing you do in terms of your home when, when you know that the the temps are going to be this low? You know, we uh, so we have a lot of uh, pipes on our external walls. So I would definitely, uh, we always open our cabinets, you know, to make sure that the pipes are exposed, that you can get some heat into them. Um, we actually have two young daughters, and so um, we actually put up some plastic on their windows just to, to keep them warm in their room as, as much as we can. Um, so those are the things that, that, that we do, and each house is different. I'm sure there's, there's different things that folks need to do, um, but now's the time. It's going to be getting brutally cold next week. Are we supposed to let the faucets drip? We, that, we always do because so we it had doesn't a, freeze. We had a burst pipe. I don't know oh, that. Yeah, or burst pipe. Yeah, yep. dripping faucets is a great, great idea. We actually do that as well. I just didn't, didn't mention that, but that was a great point. Yeah, I think I think once you've had a pipe burst, you're never going to forget to have those mm. dripping faucets mm-hmm. again. Kevin, thank you so much. We will uh, we'll talk to you soon and have a nice, safe, toasty weekend. Appreciate it. Everyone, stay warm. Thank you, guys. Take care. Tuscany sounds good about now, Uh-oh. doesn't it? <laughs> you want to go to Tuscany with KTRS on September the 4th? Then join me and the folks from Colette to learn more on January 30th, 6 p.m., in the Altair Travel Living Room. All you have to do is give Altair a call, 314-968-9600. Uh, we'll leave on September the 4th. We will be in Tuscany for a week. And if you've gone on the trips before, you know that Colette and Altair handle all the details, flights and meals, hotels and sightseeing, local experiences. Your only job is to have the time of your life, and there's lots of free time as well. We only unpack once. We'll have a seven-night, one-hotel stay. It's a resort and spa. We'll enjoy fabulous local wines and the region's famous cuisine. We'll even go to a Tuscan cooking class. We'll discover Florence and Tuscany and Pisa. This and so much more. So don't miss out. Join me and the folks from Colette and Altair to learn more January the 30th, 6 p.m. in the Altair Travel Living Room. RSVP by calling Altair Travel. You can ask for Lori or anyone. Just say, I want to learn more about Tuscany on January the 30th, and they'll sign you up. 314-968-9600. Or go to KTRS.com to learn more. There's something here that doesn't last too long. Maybe I shouldn't think of you as mine. Welcome back on this Thursday, January 11th. So everybody saw the news about the new St. Louis County logo marketing campaign. I defer <laughs> to your eye in terms of design. You have a very I, keen eye when it comes to design. I, and uh, I'll agree to disagree with you there. <laughs> Remember, I'm the one who chose a pink and green marble fireplace based on a one-inch sample that was absolutely we all, hideous. We all have those. <laughs> we all have those. 
Um, <laughs> I am not feeling it. Well, some people are thinking the $90,000 could have been spent in some other way. But, I mean, I guess it is important to market a city and a county so we get visitors. What do you all think? 84126. Well, um, and $90,000, you know, that the overall that is, scheme is not a lot. Exactly. For it, a it, county. It, it is not a lot. And then according to the article in the Post-Dispatch, uh, the old logo had been used for 30 years and it was causing um, an issue in terms of mismatching the fonts. And, you you know, you realize this is a digital age today. Mm. And so they had to um, they had to update it at the very least. But to me and this is this is my own weird weirdness. But does that look like a fleur de lis to you? Or does it look it like again. an insect from behind? <laughs> Good point. I that just just not does not look like a fleur de lis to me. And then the little squiggly line. I I I don't well, know. They're supposed to be the rivers. No, I mean I, I understand. I I get that. I get that. But um, you get the intention. I right? get the intention. But the the fleur de lis. Uh, should be left alone. I mean, don't don't embellish it. Don't change it. Just, I just beauty is in the eye of the beholder, um, and yeah. I don't I don't know that we could call this Sam Page's priority, but I would hope that the county executive would have a different set of priorities. Yeah, the load, the logo shows a woven circle, if you haven't seen it. As Connor said, that represents the Mississippi, the Missouri, the Merrimack River surrounding the Florida Lee. Uh, I'm not a marketing branding person, but I think we know from social media, TikTok, and Instagram that branding is important, and some people have made their fortunes based on it. So if if this helps the region, great. I don't know what kind of an effect it has on people from out of town who are thinking about Vacationing here, relocating here, I, I really have no idea. Yeah, I, is it is it a logo or is it... A the, welcome mat, the, as Sam Page said. Is it the state of the restrooms at the airport? I mean, <laughs> is that going to leave more of a lasting impression? But if you have seen the new logo, what what do you think of it? 84126. Um, what you say about an airport is really important, Wendy, because think about this as we've traveled and we're in different airports. And if you hit a really good one with clean restrooms, you kind of remember it. Yes. And the converse is true as well. Um, absolutely. Uh, the, the article goes on to say that Sam Page and the council, they continue to grapple with a $27 million budget deficit. Uh, the county council approved $14 million in cuts last month. Departments are still figuring out how those cuts will impact them um, this year. So <laughs> it just seems a little—and I know that it's, that's part of being county executive. You can't just you can't please. focus on this particular area. Uh, you, you have to look at every layer of, of government. But yikes. I mean, we are so— the one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight on Donnybrook 
is Megan Green and the list of things that the Board of Aldermen, you know, that they're pouring over in terms of the Rams money. I I don't know that do I does this mean that I love an authoritarian regime that will say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to spend the money. But that's why I elect you. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want this. To make the. I don't want this to be by. I don't want this to be government by committee. Um, and maybe I'm. You know. Maybe the cheese stands alone. I'm not sure. Eight four one two six. Okay, listen to this from the six one eight regarding the new logo for St. Louis County. The squiggly lines represent the local driver's driving pattern. <laughs> Notice the lack of blinkers. I love it. Okay, I love it. you win, Texter. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That is so, so true. But yeah, does anybody else have a problem with the the way the Fleur de Lis is represented? Mm-hmm. Do you hear, see the difference? Let's hear from you. I I don't think of myself as being that visual, but I'll have to look at it more closely Yeah, and and see what I think. You know, we have a lot going for our region. There's no doubt about that. And I've recently toured a lot of uh, senior living communities with a friend of mine. If you are looking for a memory care community for one of your loved ones, you know that can be a daunting task. It really takes a village of expert memory care clinicians to run a community like this properly. And Park Provence is one of those skilled nursing memory care communities. Now, math is uh, is not my strong suit, and we discuss that on a fairly regular basis. But these numbers are very telling because Park Provence is led by an experienced team of medically trained professionals, and they maintain a total of approximately 200 employees, therapists, social workers, nurses, and other disciplines on site to serve 120 residents. And that is the highest staff-to-resident ratio in the industry for both daytime and evening shifts. And that is so, so critically important. And when you're choosing, you want to take a look at activity programs and daily living options. Park Provence is a safe and supportive environment, so it'll provide you with peace of mind. And for the people who live there, they have the best on-site services, things like physical, occupational, art, and music therapy, plus around-the-clock medical care. Park Provence has it all. Park Provence's medical director, Dr. David Carr, is a professor at Washington University School of Medicine and the director of clinical services for the university's division of geriatrics and gerontology. Dr. Carr is a nationally, if not globally, recognized expert in the field of memory care. So call Andrew or Michaela at 314-542-2500 to learn more or to schedule a tour. Tell them that Jennifer and Wendy sent you and you will receive a special offer. Well, you all have strong feelings about the new St. Louis County logo. From the 314, the logo is super boring. Why only one color? Why is Missouri so small? Looks like a first draft. Who needed 90K to do this? Somebody else said it looks like a potholder or a Girl Scout cookie. Are they trefoils? Because that is exactly what they look like. (laughs) And they said whoever did it is laughing all the way to the bank. It is 1051. Time to check in with Anna Flaherty, senior national policy reporter from ABC News in Washington. Decades after the earliest government warnings against smoking, officials are still torn 
on the menthol ban, Anne? Yeah, so this was 60 years ago today, actually, that the Surgeon General, the U.S. Surgeon General, went, um, it released this landmark report and said, uh, you know, look, cigarette smoking, not good for your health. We're pretty sure it causes lung cancer. That turned out to be very true um, so many years later. But now there's this interesting debate that's sort of surfaced within the administration. They wanted to, there were many people, health experts within the administration, who wanted to ban menthol cigarettes. Now, menthol cigarettes are marketed heavily into black communities. Um, I think it's the statistic is 85% of black smokers rely on menthols. Uh, and, and they said it's really damaging in these communities. It's really hurt a lot of people. Um, and health experts have been pushing for this for years. Well, it's finally cleared most of its regulatory hurdles. And, you know, these rules take a long time. Uh, the FDA has approved it. It was sitting in the White House Budget Office. And on the 60th anniversary of that Surgeon General report, it got stuck, and it got stuck pretty much for political reasons. So I've talked to several sources on this who say, do we do this in an election year because, you know, a lot of people won't like us, for one. And also there were some civil rights groups who said, you know, we're worried about unintended consequences. Will this make it um, dangerous for black smokers to have menthols on them? Now, the FDA clarifies, and they say nothing about our rule would criminalize the, the possession of these menthol cigarettes. But what we would do is say, look, big tobacco manufacturers, you can't produce them, you can't put them on the shelf. So a really interesting debate mm. on that 60th anniversary. I'm having a hard time figuring out why that would even be a concern, that if they if they were holding the menthol cigarettes on their persons, I mean, why, why would that be, why would that be dicey, Anne? Well, you know, that's the question that I have put to these um, civil rights groups. I will say that they're very much split. Um, a lot of the civil rights groups that work in black communities on health issues, they overwhelmingly support this. They say that there are 45,000 people, black smokers, die every year, and that these tobacco companies have just gone above and beyond to aggressively market to black communities. Um, you know, one lobbyist told me that years ago when you had those magazines, Ebony and Jet, not a lot of mainstream companies would advertise in them except for the tobacco companies, and they would specifically advertise menthol cigarettes. Now, menthol cigarettes, are it's easier to become addicted. It's harder to quit. It masks kind of the harshness of nicotine. So that's in part why, you know, a lot of these health experts say it's so dangerous. Now, what's interesting when you talk to some of these other groups, now Al Sharpton has a group that's been lobbying against this. And I've asked them, why are you, why are you opposed to this if it's not going to make having the menthol cigarette illegal? So, you know, it's not like a person would risk being prosecuted because of it. It's just no longer on the shelf. Mm -hmm. They did not engage me on that. They only kept using a talking point saying unintended consequences. Now, what I find interesting is that their group receives donations and support from tobacco companies. Oh. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Follow the money. We've seen this quite a bit, that tobacco companies invest heavily in some of these civil rights groups. They'll, you know, sponsor community fairs um, and so forth. And it's all about selling these cigarettes in these communities that are already struggling with health issues. Now, I will say the flip side to this is prohibition doesn't always work, right? Like mm -hmm. we've our country's gone down that path with both alcohol and even marijuana. Yeah. You know, it, it, the marijuana lobbyists would tell you it's safer to regulate the drug and make sure there's a safe product on the market than to have this underlying black market. So, you know, there is an argument against it. But what's interesting to me as a reporter is I'm not sure that anyone's having that honest conversation because there is so much money 
at stake. And, and that's where we are right now. And did, what, was vaping brought up or is that a totally different uh, category? So, you know, when I talk to health experts within the administration, it's, you know, of course, they would love to just get rid of all of it. The big problem with vaping right now is they've pulled a lot of that stuff off the market and they say, under the law, you actually have to go to the federal government to get permission to put new tobacco products on shelves. And they're denying a lot of it. They're saying, no, this, this is not something that the American public needs. You have to be able to show that it would actually help people quit smoking, which is the argument that the vaping industry had. Well, what's happening is that even though they're telling people no, these manufacturers, most of them are from China. They just you know repackage it. They put a different label on it. Um, and then they put it back on the shelf. So it's kind of this game of cat and mouse. So they really have struggled to pull in the vaping. Um, it's a tough, tough health issue. But, you know, 60 years later, we're still dealing with it. Big tobacco has a pretty big grip on Americans, I think. And it's inter- it really is interesting when you when you think about the, the other part of it, the more immediate part of it. Uh, people, you know, it, it doesn't matter what subgroup you belong to. Um, we all enjoy our comforts wherever we find them. And to have something like this taken away, uh, it, you know, we all know that cigarettes are bad for us. But some people still, you know, are going to say, how dare you take away this one pleasure that I have? And so, yeah, in a political year, I think that is a very big part of this, as you as you pointed out. Absolutely. And that's the conversation that they're having at the White House right now. And it's not just any smoker. It's these are mostly black smokers that gravitate towards menthol cigarettes. I mean, the number is only 30 percent of white smokers rely on on menthol cigarettes. So, you know, the Al Sharpton group, they're making this case behind closed doors. Look, you're targeting black smokers. And that's not going to fly in an election year. So, you know, I will say that when I talk to people, they say the administration is still split. Like the top aides, this is sitting at the top highest level in the White House, and they're trying to make this decision. They got a lot on their plate right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they kick this can down the road. The mm-hmm. only problem with that is if Biden wants to make sure that this is implemented uh, because of the way that these rules, they take some time. He's got to do it by next week. If not, he leaves it up to the next president, which may or may not be him. Ann Flaherty, your work is great. Thank you so much for joining us here on KTRS in St. Louis. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ann. We're coming up on Top of the Hour News with Steve Potter and more from ABC. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. Welcome to the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy show on this Thursday, January 11th, and it is about to get cold. You said you're going to make chili? (laughs) This weekend, yes. Okay. I think I'm going to have... Why don't... I think I'll make... Both kinds of chili? Is that too ambitious, you think? What What do you mean by both kinds? I mean, kinds? to make the white chicken and Oh, and I've then never the, made that. It is so good. I've made cracked chicken. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which is similar to your Mississippi pot roast. Yes. Um, the white chicken chili is just I'll have to try that. I think you guys would love it. Mm-hmm. A lot of fresh herbs and that kind of thing. Um but yeah, this is going to be a chilly weekend. I have herbs on my balcony that are still chives. They're still, they're still good. That's fantastic. And they come back every year. But um, and if this is important to you, it is not important to many people. Certainly, um, not in uh, not not when you think about the uh, the Rams Patriots Super Bowl. Uh, but Bill Belichick is in the middle of a press conference at Gillette Stadium. 
Um, I, yeah, I believe that's starting now or yeah. it's already started. And announcing that he is uh, leaving the Patriots. Nick Saban, if I'm not mistaken, Connor, they're best yeah. friends, aren't they? Uh, I, I think they're close. Uh, I don't know. If, That's kind of. I, I don't know how friendly they are with each other, but uh, they have, I, well, they've worked together. Yeah, in the and past. I I thought there was a documentary um, featuring the two of them, Belichick and Saban, and um, well, they're real, they're really similar coaches, right? And so to have the two of them uh, retiring or making these announcements uh, at the same time in in football, it's it's you know it this is a Quite a seismic, and then Pete Carroll uh, was fired from the the Seahawks. So um, I believe that was it was called mutual, mutual. mutually parting ways. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone has reported that it was uh, a firing. Did he, did he say what people always say? I want to spend more time with my family, and what? then two weeks later they have a new job. Well, yeah. you know he yeah. is uh, he is in his seventies, which I didn't realize because I thought he was younger. Saban. Uh, no, Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll is in his 70s. Well, they're they all in their 70s, yeah. actually. Pete Carroll always reminded me of Mark Montavani. You know, what is the doppelganger? Mm-hmm. Mark, if, if you hold up a picture of Mark Montavani next to a picture of Pete Carroll, mm. it's like, they look, uh, they look so similar. Mary Lynn says Belichick needed to go. Um, well, and he, he, Belichick, the other two, as of now, are retiring, but Belichick is... Is not no. apparently he is just leaving the Patriots, and it sounds like. Um, and this is Robert Kraft, the owner, and Bill Belichick. So once you remove Tom Brady from that equation, mm-hmm. um, interesting that the two, those two, and you know, I don't know if it's a matter of egos as at this point as much as as it is just a, a terrible record right. uh, for the Patriots and and their. You know, they've had an embarrassment of riches for a very long time. They um, did, and then the teams recently just weren't very good, right? which is part of it. So it's just it's just fascinating. Uh, but Pete Carroll kind of reminds me of your mark. Looks-wise? Yeah. I'll have to, I don't even know who he is. I mean, just in terms <laughs> of the, the coloring and uh, hair color. Because he has, like, white hair? Yeah. Is that yeah, but the, to? just sort of a, a similar, just a similar look. Um, have to check him out. From the 314, I grew up with Mark Montavani's daughter. I've always thought that Pete Carroll wow. was Mark Montavani. <laughs> yeah, they look, they look a lot alike. <laughs> but football coaches typically just get fired because of their record, correct? The team's record. Usually, yeah. Usually, that's it. But this is, I mean, this is, th- these are eras that are ending. The Nick Saban era at Alabama that mm-hmm. is huge, humongous. But um, there are also these uh, rumors that he's going to take a a job, a very, very highly paid job at ESPN. Mm. Um, in Commentator. The, in or... the millions and millions of dollars, uh, Nick Saban. And he just bought, Chris was telling me that he bought a, like a $7 million beach house. In in Alabama, yeah, well, I, I think he can afford it. Yeah, of course he, of course he can. But Chris said that that sort of lit everything up in the SEC and message message boards. He's not he's not buying a beach house so that he can keep coaching. Oh, I see. You know, what you're they saying. thought that that was the first sign that yeah, he's 
he's definitely getting ready to retire. So I don't know if this is a huge surprise, obviously, for the Roll Tide crowd. But um, I think it does a little. In November, he said something along the lines of, you know, if you're already thinking about retirement, you're already retired, and I'm not thinking about retirement. And that was in November, so only a yeah. few months ago. Hmm. So maybe he started thinking about it right after. But <laughs> I think that's I think that's true, though. I think once you start thinking about retiring, you are retired. Well, I don't know because you need to prepare for everything. And when I was working at the APA and in charge of volunteers, a lot of newly retired people would come to the APA and say, "I'm retired." I don't know exactly what to do, so I think I'll I'll volunteer for a while. And then they would either stay or they would find out what they wanted to do. And they had given it some thought, but they had not actually been retired. So they were like, oh, what do I do now? You know, uh-huh. I mean, there's one thing to be prepared. And we were talking earlier about how, what have you aged out of? And Mike from accounting was sort of agreeing with us about big events and concerts. Too loud, cost too much money. Guess I've guess I've aged out. When do people age out of working? <laughs> you know, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but and for people who don't have any hobbies or anything, I, I think w- what do they do? And should they think about it? Should they plan ahead, or should they just? Keep working until, I mean, I know people in their 80s who still work and want to and say, I'm never going to stop. It seems like they're different kinds of people. Yeah. And if, you know, I, I, I feel like I completely and utterly so fortunate to do something that you enjoy that I love so much. And it breaks my heart to think of somebody, can you imagine the person who feels like they are crawling to the finish line at a job that they just, you know, I saw on social media, a friend, a uh, former colleague uh, from, from many years ago, that she was, you know, finally going to retire and that, you know, she, that the job that she has doesn't, you know, just doesn't give her anything, you know, to feel good about. And I thought, oh. Yeah, hang it up. I mean, yeah, and I know so many people like that, but yeah. they have to work. Mm-hmm, sure, you know they have to get to a, a certain point. And then there are people. We read news stories about this all the time. Mom and pop family businesses, and then mom and dad are ready to retire, but their kids don't want to take over their business. And even just running that business, as we all know, can be tough. I mean, KTRS is a locally owned business, and. Many of our advertisers are small businesses. The Better Business Bureau knows running a business can be tough, and they're here to help. If you become a member, you'll have access to a wide range of resources and support. For instance, dispute resolution services. Being a Better Business Bureau accredited business could give your customers peace of mind knowing that you're committed to ethical, fair practices. You can join the Better Business Bureau today and take the first step toward a more successful future for your business. And if you go to BBB.org, you will see everything that they offer you. Uh, They just launched this BBB Learning, and it's a new on-demand learning platform. It's powered by MindEdge, which is a BBB-accredited business in Massachusetts. And there's a, it's a customer, a custom course on trust and ethics. 
So BBB Learning gives you as a business owner the tools you need to advance your skills and keep up with ethical business practices and keep them top of mind. It's just one of the many services that they offer you. Go to BBB.org or you can call 314-645-3300 today and become a member. The BBB, the sign of a better business. So I played this opera song for Mark yesterday, and I just said, I just want to play something for you. Is it familiar? And of course it was. And I think it will be for you, too. I first heard this song when I was watching a TV show called Nip Tuck a long time ago. Maybe it was on USA Network. I mean, it was. Oh, it was. I flipped when I heard this. I had no idea that it was what you said it was. Right. You you said, have you. It's from the 1800s, the flower duet. And when I first heard the music on Nip Tuck, it was a surgery scene. I waited to see the music director and thought, how did he come up with this? But it's also used as in uh, the duet has become a staple of British Airways brand image. It's been on Meet the Parents, The Simpsons, True Romance. It's our song of the day. love listening to opera when I'm cooking on a cold winter day. <laughs> but isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. I had no idea. Right. Uh, because it has been everywhere. As you said, everywhere. I mean, commercials, you yes. name it. So who was the first? Was it this? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think no his name idea. was J.P. Bloom or something, the music director uh, for Nip Tuck, which has to, that, that must have been on 10 or 15 years ago. I can't really remember. 84126, if you remember seeing that. I thought it was a great TV show. I hope I haven't used this quote by Henry Ford, but if I have, let we me don't remember. remind myself and all of you. Failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Mm. Love um, that. I'm going to try to remember that for my own use. McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. We visited there, and if you are looking for a place for someone you love, I think you really should consider it. Um, The owners there are local. Each one of them has an on-site office, and obviously, they're dedicated to our region. They're deeply invested in the day-to-day operations of McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. And as both Wendy and I found out when we had parents out of state in senior living communities, it is a hassle When the senior living community is owned by a national firm and nobody's there, not so with McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. They are there for you every day on site. I'll go you one uh, further. I I think it's it's scary uh, when it's Mm -hmm. a a, a national inaccessible type of place because these are your parents and uh, that can lead to to real problems. Uh, McKnight Place, anybody who has lived in St. Louis longer than a week knows that uh, McKnight Place is synonymous with excellence. 
Uh, it has been since they opened their doors all those years ago. Um, with all of those years, decades of experience in top-quality senior living, McKnight Place Assisted Living knows how to help its residents live fulfilling lives. And that is evidence in every face that you see. The professional staff gets to know all of the residents and their families. Please call McKnight Place Assisted Living. They have predictable pricing, so it's an all-inclusive fixed-rate program. There are no buy-in fees. They have a wide array of social and learning opportunities. All utilities, including local and long-distance telephone, are included. Over 50 high-def channels on satellite TV, wireless Internet throughout the building, daily happy hour four times a week at 4 o'clock with appetizers, drinks, and live entertainment sounds good, doesn't it? Call Leslie, Kelly, or Gretchen today. You could schedule a tour, 314-993-3333. If you tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you, you'll receive a special offer. Going back to my old Nip Tuck was on in 2003 for six seasons. One wow. of our texters from the 314 says a friend from grade school, North City, was a cameo surgeon on the show. At the time, it was considered kind of over the top. It probably wouldn't be now. Over the top. Just over the top, outrageous, black humor. And I'm trying to think 2003. I don't think people talked about plastic surgery as openly as they do now. Were the Kardashians on in 2003? Because I know they... God, it feels like they've been on for lifetimes. For their entire lives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Soprano celebrates its 25th anniversary. And I think we've told you, Wendy and I both get this newsletter, The Daily Coach. It's free. You can get it too. David Chase, of course, was the producer. And it said how he loved gangster movies. And long before he wrote The Sopranos, he fantasized about it. I didn't know that he wrote for The Rockford Files. But apparently... One day he had a breakthrough. He was going to the house of Rockford's executive producer, Juanita Bartlett, and he noticed a bunch of ducks walking on a ramp into her pool. And he said, what's up with this strange setup? And she said, well, ducks showed up, so I built a ramp for them. And then Chase, David Chase had a breakthrough and thought that would be perfect for this main character he had in his head, Tony Soprano. So he wrote the pilot. On January 10th, 1999, The Sopranos first aired. Of course, people are still watching it and still arguing over the finale. But The Daily Coach talks about leadership. (laughs) So they have lessons learned from the Supreme Commander, Tony Soprano. And I would not think we would look to The Sopranos for leadership rules. Respect everyone. Tony's leadership was built on respect of those who worked for him and those who came before him. Uh, from respecting the rules of the family to the chain of command, he believed those who wanted respect give respect. Two, measure twice, cut once. And he said being a leader is lonely. It's lonely at the top, but every decision you make affects has a trickle-down effect, and you just have to do it. Train, never retrain. This part I didn't. Yeah, I, don't... I guess what he means by that, he it, and what the Daily Coach is saying, one of the failures of management today in general is the inability to mentor and develop a management team. Training is always better than retraining. The mob never retrains. 
I'm on board for mentoring. I think this is National Mentoring Month. <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't. I it's hard to imagine managing in and and this is this is such a unique situation, the one that we're in. You know, because we are a we're a small radio station, like a family, like a family, exactly. Um, but at in a larger setting to manage so many different generations so who, who clearly are bringing so many different cultures into the workplace and by culture i just mean representing each that generational culture I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Right. And the Daily Coach newsletter talking about leadership lessons from The Sopranos says there's top-down accountability. And I have often wondered, you know, you see a company making a mistake or something horrible happening, and the person at the top was not informed by his or her managers of many, many departments. But uh, the Daily Coach newsletter said Tony offered real accountability, unlike most leaders <laughs> He really put his life on the line, mm. which is true. Yes, he did. <laughs> Learn from past mistakes. And I, I don't remember this particular season five. Tony had to welcome back an old school member of the family, Feech Lamana. Once back into the swing of things, after a long prison sentence, Lamana behaved outside the organizational structure. He wanted to operate by his old rules. I remember that. I can't remember who it was or the set of circumstances. But I do remember that plot line. And in season two, Tony had a similar problem with Richie Aprelli. April. April, Mm -hmm. uh, which forced him to ask, didn't I learn anything from Richie April? Tony solves the problem using a creative way to remove Lamana without causing dissension among his team. Can't remember that either, but I can imagine. Something tells me they went for yeah. Something tells me they went for a drive. Know your competition. Even though Tony wasn't much of a reader, he took the advice of his therapist and he was reading The Art of War by Sun Sun Tzu. Tzu. They always had that in the episodes. Using the strategy that was invoked 2,400 years ago. And as Tony said, most of it still applies today. But from the moment uh, David Chase saw those ducks at the executive producer's house of the Rockford Files, he knew he had it. He had his show and everybody liked it. But... People really differ on the finale of The Sopranos. I want to know. I I, I want to know what happens. I, I don't want you to be cute. I don't want you to be artistic. I don't want it to be, eh, you know, we're going to leave it up to each and every individual's taste. A lot of people called their cable company because they mm-hmm. thought the TV went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I, um, I remember thinking, what, what just happened, Connor? I'm not really sure it's, uh, that ambiguous, right? I think it's pretty clear that they got, that they, that they get, they get them, you know, they got hit. The whole family? Mm-hmm. No, Tony. Oh. At least, you know. See, Cause, I'm, cause earlier, went to black, so you, cause went- earlier, um, in the show, he's talk, they talk about, you know, well, what do you think it's like? And Tony is like, I don't think anything happens. I think you just cut to, I think black. it just goes just black. Cut to black. In that same episode or earlier? I think it was the- earlier in the show. Oh. 
right? So someone pointed that out to me, and I was like, well, that makes sense. It's really not ambiguous then. Well, David Chase was sort of, you know, he was, he was you know, being kind of coy in a, an article that I read uh, afterwards in, in Vanity Fair. And I think he had, I think he was kind of, because this was back in the, uh, the beginning of programs once they went off the air having another you know like a Downton Abbey the movie or Entourage the movie so I think he was kind of hoping and there was a prequel right as 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 Sopranos yeah they did they came out with it uh, recently but I don't know that it I never heard anybody yeah, I didn't say hear much anything about it, about it. Uh, I haven't seen it I heard people say it was good if you like the Sopranos but I don't think it it, it didn't get as much. Praise and as is the that show when did. the actors James James Gandolfini, his son, played in it? Is that correct? I believe so. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, from the three one four, the show Yellowstone is The Sopranos, only with cowboy hats and horses. And I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Thank yeah. you. Except Ed people don't get removed. Oh, do they? Are you kidding? I'm trying to think. But I know I watched when we go to the train station. Maybe I'm in denial. <laughs> they take people to the train station pretty frequently. And then what happens? Oh, okay, got it. I mm. remember. Yeah. Somebody digging graves. No. No? Yeah. Well, no. I don't it's know, like Jennifer. A giant... Sometimes I, between this and the, the uh, Daisy Jones, the Daisy and the Jones six. you didn't realize that the show had <laughs> oh, ended. maybe I only watched four. When you, you, when you said, maybe you didn't actually watch said, the episode. I, I'll never forget that I moment. I thought it was over. It was so cute when she said, you know, I just thought it was an odd way to end the series <laughs> in the bathtub. And Connor and I just looked at each other and went, she didn't finish the series. <laughs> I was so glad you guys told me that. Yeah. It was so satisfying to see the real ending of it. Yeah. But I did see the real ending of The Sopranos, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I I still... Um, did David Chase do any... Did, has he done anything since The Sopranos? Uh, well, he did do the movie, which I looked it up, and it's called The Many Saints of Newark. Right. That's so right. That's, that's right. what the movie is called. Uh, other than that, I, I, I can't... Yeah. I, I mean, the man's got enough money... Is that movie about The Sopranos? It's it's like a prequel to The Sopranos. Yeah. And it is James Gandolfini's son, Mm. Michael Gandolfini, playing a young Tony Soprano. Did you see that one movie that came out, I think, after James Gandolfini died? It was a rom-com that he was in? With Julia Louis-Dreyfus? I didn't see it, but they're two of my all-time favorites. I really liked it, although it was difficult to see him as an actor in a new role. Nothing wrong with him as the actor. Was he being? But, was he gentle and? Yes, but it's like, wait a minute, that's Tony Soprano. What is it about? What is it about that? That's that. Is it an archetype? I mean, when you have the big, burly guy who is a teddy bear, mm-hmm. that was what to me. That was his great, great gift because he was a teddy when he was, you know. With Carmela and the kids, you know, he could be such a teddy bear when he was with one or two or three or four of his mistresses. He could be such a teddy bear. It's just funny to me that the big hulking guy. And a criminal and a mobster. And this is where I think the great writing comes in. Somehow had something inside that we could empathize with. Yes. Even if we as the viewer thought this is so wrong. 
everything he's doing goes against my beliefs, my values, but there's something about him. He has a moral center. It might be off. He has a a North Star. (laughs) He has a North Star. Have you ever met anybody without a North Star or a compass, an inner compass? Hmm. That's a tough, tough question. Eight four one two six. I think those people are out there. You know, the ones who I, I don't. I Bundy, don't know psychopaths. I, I yeah. I I don't know. Um, or do they have one and it's not visible to us as a coworker, a friend, a neighbor? Interesting. I, I'm sure there are many, many characters in movies and TVs because then you think, oh, there's a guy, girl without a woman moral compass and I can't relate to them and they're just total evil and it's kind of easy to watch that in a way because you you have nothing in common with them you Mm -hmm. think as the viewer but then you get a character like the mobster with a heart and a moral compass and you've viewers sometimes found themselves rooting for Tony Soprano oh constantly (laughs) constantly yeah that is uh that's you know, I, I think that was that was the beauty of the Godfather. You know, you <clears throat> yes, exactly. You see the you see both sides of the character. You and and what Al Pacino. I I think the older I get, the more I appreciate that performance when he physically. You see him physically becoming. Michael Corleone, yes. you see him physically going from the soldier who's just returned from World War II, and then he physically is becoming the godfather. It is Agreed. It will brilliant. always be. It will always be the master class. Somebody from the 314 said, Donald Trump, have you ever met someone without a moral compass? And this other one about the caddy? I had a caddy with a North Star. Not sure, but I think somebody's having fun with us. <laughs> we can always tell. We can always tell. Whenever I'm sitting there at home in the living room looking around thinking, oh, I'm just so happy with this interior. I love it. I love it. And then I think, hmm, I could use something new over there in that corner. That's where Encore Consignment Gallery comes in. Great shopping experience. There are two showrooms, one in Town & Country and one in Kirkwood. But also they can help you consign If you think out with the old, in with the upscale, gently used, Encore Consignment Place is your go-to place. Here's how consignment works. Just take pictures of your furniture, rugs, artwork, and accessories and send them to photos at EncoreSTL.net. Last year, Ronnie Vinton became the new owner, and you may know him from his other stores. He's especially into art. So you'll find that the two showrooms are packed And there's lots of artwork if you are into that. And it's upscale, gently used. The prices are great. One of the other great things about shopping at Encore is that if you see it today, you can buy it today and take it home today. You don't have to wait for months and months. There are no supply chain problems, and all of your money stays here locally. Now, if you have a house full, Encore can help you with that, too. Or you can just stop in and visit and see what you think. Lamp and Lantern Village in town and country. The Kirkwood store is at the corner of Manchester and Lindbergh. And they have brand names like Our House and Restoration Hardware. They have all different 
um, styles, vintage, modern, traditional, you name it, they have it. And if they can sign for you, you can avoid all the hassle of posting and pricing and phone calls and emails. Encore Consignment Gallery, the Lamp and Lantern Village in Town and Country, the Kirkwood Store is at the corner of Manchester and Lindbergh. If you stop in, please tell them the Big 550 sent you. The Jennifer and Wendy Show is also brought to you by BetterHelp. It's around this time of year that I think so many of us become obsessed with making changes. I think it was last weekend I tackled (laughs) the messy front hall closet. And just getting that in order made me want to take on anything else that was messy. Maybe there are relationships in your life that are draining you and you feel that you need some help negotiating them. Give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. And just when we started our program today, one of our listeners texted in and asked, how can I find them? You know, therapy can help you find your strengths. You can ditch all those extreme resolutions, which by now... January 11th, a lot of people have given up. Make some small changes that will really stick. Maybe you just want to learn some new coping skills or learn how to have boundaries with people who zap your energy. BetterHelp makes it easy, so easy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapist at any time for no additional cost. So why not celebrate the progress you have already made? Visit BetterHelp.com dot com slash j and w today and you'll get 10 percent off your first month that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash j and w and to our texture who was asking about it please let us know how it went for you i tried it i enjoyed it i did make a change with therapists after the first visit you don't have to tell the therapist you just go online i mean really they could not make it easier for you so we were talking about chili. Somebody wants your white chili recipe, Wendy. And you were just talking about Eggs Benedict, and now I'm hungry. <laughs> there, there is something. I don't know what it is about Eggs Benedict. I don't know if it's it's. I don't know if it's the. Is it a delivery system for hollandaise? I, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it just sounds so good after you have not had. And that is for for this girl not to have had any type of a, uh, appetite. For 10 days. Wow. That's when you know you're sick. That's when you know you're sick. And um, I've been reading online. I've been, you know, hearing people say all of the, you know, writing these comments and everybody is saying the same thing about the lack of appetite. And you got to keep your fluids going, right? So you don't get dehydrated. Yeah. You got to keep the, uh, so when, when you feel like you're coming out of that cave, that hibernation cave, and now... So if I apologize, if you are the one standing between me and the eggs Benedict, I might, I might <laughs> knock you over like a bowling pin. I do apologize, but boy, that sounds so good. Have you made your soup yet with the, uh, it's called oh, carcass. the carcass soup. Well, let's call it something else. Chicken bone. Chicken bone. Ch- just bone chicken broth. soup. Bone, bone broth. broth. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. My house looks like oh, you've been nuclear winter. It yeah. looks like exactly the way it did the night that things started happening. And, uh, yeah, so I have a lot of – I still have a lot of work to do. Are your Christmas decorations down? They're down and they're confined in an area in the dining room where I can't see anything. Mm-hmm. So that is – that makes me happy. We go to the Heights to work out and I saw – they just had fantastic Christmas decorations up and Christmas trees everywhere. And when we were there the other day – we saw all the Christmas trees and 
uh, decorations taken down, all of them in those big Tupperware tubs, neatly stacked. And I thought, okay, this is a good reminder for people who have not done it yet. But some people don't want to take them down yet. That And that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, and it's interesting. It's like various states of undress because you'll see houses <laughs> where, okay, we've taken part of the, you know, part of the lights off. We've we still have the wreaths on the door. Um, Julie Buck on her Instagram feed, I am very, very intrigued by girlfriend's um, Christmas tree, uh, just the way she does her Christmas tree. It used to be um, that, and I'm, so, I feel like I'm so much older than Julie, but the Christmas trees that she has on her Instagram account are gorgeous. They're gorgeous. But it's not like a million teeny weeny tiny little ornaments. Mm-hmm. It's 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 they're the larger ornaments, the larger, um, and then everything looks bigger. I, I'm gonna just do some investigating because I like that look a lot because plucking. Uh, oh, I know I, I've aged out of that. Yeah, I, I truly feel like I have, and sometimes you just love the greenery with the lights. Uh huh. And when they come down, then I, Wendy and I both like fairy lights. They Love. come down, they're all put away, and then I look around and think, I need more fairy lights in our place. Yeah, everything. I don't know exactly where to find them. I mean, I have a couple of trees, but I just want more. And sometimes the battery-operated ones uh-huh. that look like starbursts, you know, I like them, but the batteries die so quickly that I think plug-ins are better. Yeah, Um Mike from accounting says eggs Benedict always feel like hangover cure food to me, sort of like an egg McMuffin but grown up. <laughs> That's great. I never associated, I never associated eggs Benedict with hangovers. My goodness, I hope I've aged out of that. <laughs> yeah, have we aged out of hangovers? Because at this age, man, it would hurt. You know, when you're watching <laughs> these great old movies and somebody has a hangover and they do the tomato juice and they do the raw egg. I don't think any of that works. Did, I mean, it looked like every single household had a hangover kit. You know, the tomato juice, the Worcestershire sauce, the raw egg, the um, – and then what – like I guess a little horseradish – but I can't believe I'm remembering to ask you this question. And maybe it is just because I have been sick. But has anybody else noticed? And yes, I know I sound like one of those scary old ladies who sees triangles on the back of road signs. Has anybody noticed that medium salsa that you buy in the store is suddenly hot? Anybody? Now, see, I'm the opposite. Why are you laughing? <laughs> No, I'm meeting. Like, counter, counter, counter. Doesn't this just mean that your tastes have changed rather than no. the whole salsa industry no, has no. changed? The I medium think it's, salsa. I, the medium, I love I, when Connor does this. I He's so polite. Swear, He's well bred. I swear. <laughs> it's not even an eye suddenly, roll. I, suddenly, I've, I've bought a couple of jars of salsa. Medium used to be. Medium. Maybe you're becoming now, more sensitive because it's hot. I can't become more sensitive. Taste wise, I'm the opposite. I used to not be able to handle spicy food or it tasted too hot. Now I'm like, oh, bring put some more hot sauce on here. Yeah, no, I like that. It's just, I like I like the hot. I don't have a problem, but medium wasn't hot. <laughs> now it's hot. I do sound like okay. one of those. No, I, I don't know. I don't Anyone? know. If, I don't know. Help! Help! I, help me! 
Help Please me. help us help solve me. this important problem. I'm not, I swear <laughs> to you, this because I even purchased the, my third jar to see if if I was if I'm just you know completely cuckoo for cocoa puffs. You bought three jars of salsa to check whether the medium has changed into hot. Mm-hmm. Different brands or. Well, it's not gold plated. I mean, you know, but trust me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it. Did you buy three different brands? Yes. Ah, well, now I'm on board. Yeah, I'm telling well, you. Well, wait, does this just says that this proves that you are more sensitive to the heat now, right? But I mean, would it be Did that dramatic? A difference? Three salsa brands conspired to make their medium salsa exactly what spicier. They did. I think that's exactly what they did. I think that's what's going on. And I'm just going to go ahead that and all drive the companies myself changed to the it? psychiatric hospital. <laughs> I, no, I, no. I just, I don't, I, I can't remember when medium became hot. <laughs> it's okay if you're laughing Bye at my everyone. pain. <laughs> we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started And before you know it Comes the time we 